Our call to worship this morning is found in the back of your hymnal, number 796. I will read the light print, and you will read along with Danica in the bold. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Stop being anxious and watchful, for I am your God. I give you strength, I bring you help, I uphold you with my victorious right hand. The eye of Yahweh is on those who fear him, on those who rely on his love, to rescue their souls from death and keep them alive in famine. It is by faith and through Jesus that we have entered this state of grace in which we can boast about looking forward to God's glory. But that is not all we can boast about. We can boast about our suffering. These sufferings bring patience, as we know. And patience brings perseverance. And perseverance brings hope. And this hope is not deceptive, because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit which has been given us. May the God of hope bring you such joy and peace in your faith, that the power of the Holy Spirit will remove all bounds to hope. Today's Old Testament reading can be found in Psalm 34, verses 1 through 8. In your pew Bible, it's on the bottom of page 515. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. I will be reading from your pew Bible on page 11, uh, 1022, Acts 17, 22 through 28. Paul then stood up in the... Uh, or 24 through 28, excuse me. The, the God who made the world and everything in, in it as, is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that he should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that he would seek him and perhaps reach out for him to find him, though he is not far from any any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as uh, as some of our own poets have said we are his offspring. All right. Show of hands, who likes road trips? Oh, okay. Now, are, are you uh, friends with somebody or in a relationship with somebody who likes road trips? Because that's good. If one of you likes them and the other doesn't, mm, or if you're just in the one person in the car of five other people that likes road trips and you're the one who doesn't, not great. I love road trips, and happily so does Ginger. Uh, we have over 100,000 
miles on our HHR, and it's not that old of a car. And I am closing in, it could happen, I don't think this week, on 200,000 miles on the expedition. So, if any of you uh, college students uh, want a high mileage, non-green, non-eco-friendly car, I can put you in that for... But Ginger and I love getting in the car and heading off someplace uh, great. Could be Ojai, it could be Newport Beach, it could be Monterey. Um, and la one weekend last June, we got in the HHR and went up to Napa. And there were three magnets that were drawing us northward. Uh, Jordan, Luke, and Mary Chapin Carpenter. Now, for those of you who don't know, Jordan and Luke are going to Pacific Union College, and last summer they both found um, jobs on campus or near campus. So that's where they were um, during the summer. And for those of you who don't know who Mary Chapin Carpenter is, she's a singer-songwriter that Ginger and I both happen to like. And she was in concert in Napa on Sunday night, and so we had tickets. So we were going up there to see the concert, and we were hoping that we might be able to see the boys for a little bit while we were up there. Okay, I forgot to mention it happened to be Father's Day weekend. So we arrived in Napa on Sabbath afternoon and um, we checked in with the boys, called them, we don't want to presume what their schedules are, and it turned out that both of them were up for having supper with us that night. Jordan came over to the place we were staying and he brought this gift bag and inside the gift bag it had like uh, videos to show that we like psych and it also had these glasses, drinking glasses with old school video game graphics. Like if I were to say centipede some of you would know what I was talking about. <laughs> so that's one of the glasses and it was, it was a really thoughtful gift because he knows that I grew up on video and, and so we share a little bit of that. So it was very thoughtful and I was struck by this phrase that you guys have all heard before which is, it's the thought that counts. Now I don't know how you've used that in your life but when I was a teenager that phrase was like this cure-all in case the gift you were giving was pretty weak. <laughs> it's like that's the thing you had in your back pocket. Like, well. It's not really what you wanted, but hey, it's a thought that counts. But at that moment, I was struck by, I think, the real truth or the way that phrase was intended. There was thought involved, and there was time that it took to put that gift together, and I was moved by both of those. That night, we met Luke and Jordan at uh, one of our favorite restaurants up there. It's called Pizzeria Travigne. There's also a non, there's a, another restaurant that's attached to that that's a little more, I think it'll cost more than the one that we go to, but we like this place a lot. And I'm telling you, if you're up there, you've got to have their uh, garlic rolls because they like sit in this bath of uh, olive oil and they're fantastic. <laughs> and their minestrone soup, unbelievable, that's great. The first couple times that we'd go there, Ginger and I would split the minestrone soup. Now we don't split a minestrone soup anymore. <laughs> We, we get our own. And they have good pizza and uh, good, they have good desserts too, but those are, those are the highlights. But really, 
I'm convinced that the reason Ginger and I enjoy this restaurant so much is because we get to go there and we usually eat there with our guys. So that's what makes the place special to us. Um, I'm not telling the parents who are here who are older than I am anything you don't already know, but you really uh, appreciate the time you have with your kids the older they get and when they have the, the choice and can make other choices. The next day we had lunch with Jordan um, and Luke was working that day, but after he was done, he was able to meet us for supper. And we met at a combo grocery store and restaurant, Azteca. So it's a place right on 29. And so we uh, were getting our, ordering our food. And as I got to the counter and I started to get the wallet out, Luke says, that's okay, Dad. Happy Father's Day. It's like, oh, fantastic. Now you have to know something about me. I love tacos. Love tacos. And I'm always searching for like the next great taco stand. And Luke had found it. Found it. So we had our supper. My tacos were fantastic. And I really uh, was moved by his thoughtful gift and also really treasured the time that we had just sitting out on their patio talking about his day. So after dinner, we went into, so that was St. Helena. We drove from St. Helena to Napa. That's where the concert was in this refurbished uh, venue. And as we're sitting, it's like an old remodeled theater. And as we're standing outside in line waiting to get in, we were standing behind these two guys who were, I think they're older than me. And they were talking about a less than gratifying Father's Day for them. So the first guy says, did you hear from your son today? And he says, no. And then he asks the second guy, what about you? Did you hear from your son today? And the guy said, no, I didn't. And then with this voice of resignation, he says, eh, he's a slug. <laughs> oh, I thought, ouch, ouch, that hurts. That made me feel bad. And it also made me think about what a great Father's Day we had already had um, up until that point with the guys, and for a split second, I thought about tapping the guy on the shoulder and saying, letting him know that I didn't have slugs, I had sons, but I didn't think that would help his situation that much, so I kept that to myself. So we went to the concert, we enjoyed the concert, and Monday morning, we kept what was a thoroughly enjoyable long weekend by having breakfast with the guys again. So, why am I telling you this whole story? Here's why. When I got home that evening, I went out to our backyard, and we have this little swinging uh, bench, and I sat down on the bench in our backyard, and I took a moment, and I just thanked God for what a gratifying time it was to spend that weekend um, with the boys and with family. And I was really grateful for that and blessed by it. So I wanted to thank God for that. And something dawned on me, something very simple dawned on me as I was sitting out there on that swing. If it makes me this happy, when my boys choose to spend time with me, it must make God very happy when his kids set aside some time to be with him and tell him that they appreciate him and thank him. I know one thing, I do not want to be a slug. So we owe so much to God when you think about it, 
But if we're going to be fair, we have so little to offer him beyond our worship, our gratitude, and our time. I want to thank all the participants from youth today. Appreciate their contributions, inclusive of the readers. And I want you to turn to Acts 17, 24 through 28. Trevor read it, but I want you guys to read it again, just to underscore the point of what it is that we actually have and can owe to God, or what it is we have to offer him. Starting in verse 24, Acts 17, 24 through 28. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. But pay extra attention to this next part. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. God wants to spend time with his people. It started in a garden. It continued in the desert. In the pillar and cloud, God showed his people he was traveling with them. And if that wasn't clear enough, God had Moses deliver a message to the people. Make a tabernacle for me and I will dwell among you. Exodus 25, 8. In Leviticus 26, 11, and 12, he promised that if Jacob's descendants obeyed his commandments, he says, I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. In the Sabbath, God has created far more than just a day off. He has created what Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel called a palace in time where we can draw near to our maker and our redeemer. In describing the events leading up to Jesus' birth, Matthew connected the dots for his readers. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. John reminds us that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John 1... 14. And Jesus himself makes it clear that his interest in spending time with us isn't a thing of the past. I like how the New Living Translation puts it. Don't be troubled. You trust God. Now trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's home, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. John 14, 1 to 3. That sounds like a great invitation. Who could refuse? But sadly, people don't always want to spend time with God. John 1, 10 through 13 says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. When people do spend time with God, 
powerful and amazing things can happen. You probably have experiences in your own life that you can draw on that make that, that uh, amplify that point. In the Bible, we know that Moses, Gideon, and Saul of Tarsus had dramatic career changes after their close encounter of the God kind. Sometimes the results happen instantly. Is there anybody that you can think of that got more out of less time with Jesus than the woman that reached out and touched the cloak, the garment? Sometimes results happen over time. I think of Joseph, whose life took more twists and turns than Highway 1 from here to Carmel. But Genesis tells us that even though he was doing the time, although he didn't commit the crime, that God was with him. And what about Enoch? He just kept walking with God until, as the Bible and Living Sound series describes, one day he was closer to God's house than he was to his own. I also have a personal example. Um, Ginger's grandpa, who would have been 105 this May, passed away two Thursdays ago at 104. Here is a man who spent time with God. He sought him out. And the results that I could see and many others could see were thanksgiving, grace, generosity, and selflessness as a result of spending time with his God. All right, so I'm going to ask, I'm, it, this will be a rhetorical question to save you any embarrassment. Who here thinks that spending time with God is a good idea? You don't have to raise your hand. Who would not want to raise their hand for that? All right. Sounds like a good idea. But who here, if you're really bold, and I asked you to raise your hand, which I won't, would say you don't always spend the time with God that you think you should? Now, I will raise my hand because I'm one of them. And I'll admit it. Sometimes I'm a slug. My intent this morning is not to tell you something you already know or to pour salt on any of my fellow sometimes slugs. Did you ever do that as a kid? Find a poor helpless snail and go find some salt and pour it on? I'm not going to do that. But I am hopeful that we may discover an idea or two that might encourage each of us, myself included, uh, to help us spend more of our most precious resource with the creator who considers each one of you precious. So I thought about this, and I thought, okay, maybe the problem, maybe part of the problem is the language that we use. I've already said the word a couple of times this morning. Spending time. Spending time. So we're living in tough economic times. I doubt that's a shock to anybody, to you this morning. But individuals, families, companies are spending less these days. So what about this? What about instead of spending time with God, what if we planted time with God? I don't know about you, but spending makes me think of what I have to give up. But planting makes me think about what I might harvest. I went online to see what vegetables you could plant this time of year in Southern California. Do we have some farmers, some planters out there? What, what do you think you can plant right now, March, April-ish? What are some vegetables you can plant? 
Tomatoes, let's just see. That's right, that's on the list. Carrots, Carrots that's right. Zucchini. Onions, zucchini, well, that, that might be. It didn't make this list, but plant them anyway. <laughs> you guys are doing great so far. Did you know you can plant basil? Ooh, I love basil. Beans, beets, we already talked about carrots. So far I'm doing fine, I like all these. Chives, fine with that. Celery, I'm okay with celery. Cilantro, oh, I love me some cilantro. Corn, cucumbers, eggplant, oh boy. Not so, not so much on eggplant. <laughs> That's one where I don't mind it being planted. I'm just sorry anything comes back up. But that's just me. Uh, lettuce, onions, parsley, parsnip, peas, peppers, radishes, spinach, strawberries, squash, Swiss chard, and we already said tomatoes. That sounds like a pretty good uh, lunch or a salad or a soup to me. Well, I'm here to tell you that spring is a great season to plant time with God. And here's the exciting part. If you plant carrots, what do you harvest? That's exactly right. You thought it was a trick question. It's not a trick question. If you plant lettuce, you get? And if you plant spinach, you get? All right. Very good. You aced the quiz. But if you plant time with God, you can harvest all sorts of things. I'm going to just bounce around from a couple of scriptures. Um, but I think it'll give you an idea. It's not an exhaustive list. But you can harvest all kinds of things, like strength and courage. Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right arm. Plant time with God and reap peace. Ephesians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Plant time with God, and you can harvest freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Plant time with God, reap redemption, forgiveness, and grace. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 tells us, We have redemption through Jesus' blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Plant time with God, harvest compassion and comfort. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us, in all our troubles, and listen to this, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So time with God, you reap guidance. Psalms 25, 5 and 9. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God and Savior. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Plant time with God, harvest faith. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We're in the time of year where we are thinking about just what kind of opposition Jesus faced and to the lengths that he was willing to go, even to the cross and beyond, so that he could never lose sight of the glory on the other side. This is not, of course, a complete list, but I hope this shows you that the scriptures are a fertile soil for you to plant your time in. Okay, you did really well before on your quiz. Now, what three things do you need to grow something? Soil? Water? Yeah, that's right. Okay, sun is good. I, th- I thought seed. Four things. Sun, water, soil, seed. Good. Um, think of your time as the seed and the Bible as a kind of soil that's very rich in nutrients. And then add the living water Jesus talked about in John 4 and watch what grows. Another kind of soil that you can plant your time in is prayer. We talked about this a couple Sabbath schools ago. It's been said there are two most common types of prayers are thank you and help me. Thank you, help me. Help me, thank you. Thank you, help me. I know that when things aren't going well, I go, help me. And when things aren't going well, I go, thank you. So I have a thought today. Let's try switching those up. Use the thank you prayer when you have troubles. Turn with me to James 1, verses 2 through 4, before you think I'm crazy. James 1, 2 through 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How about that? Turn to Romans 5, verses 2 through 5. Romans 5, we'll read from 2 through 5. See if this sounds familiar. Beginning in verse 2, chapter 5. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Hmm. So it may sound counterintuitive, but it draws our attention to the God who gives us hope in the midst of all our troubles. All right. So if we're going to use the thank you prayer when things aren't going great, what do you think we're going to use when things are going well? Let's use the help. Let's try flipping it. Let's try using the help me prayer. John 15, 5. You, don't, you can turn to it if you want. I'm just going to say it quickly. Um, apart from me, you can do nothing. And as we heard in Acts 17, 28, in him we live and move and have our being. So this fixes our attention not on our own capabilities, which is so tempting to do. When things are going great, that might be the time when you may pull 
farther away from God or awareness of our need for him, this approach might focus our attention back on to our utter dependence on God for everything. What better way to keep us from believing the lie that we are self-made and self-sufficient? Now, depending on your physical posture, we've talked about time, we've talked about prayer. Um, uh, let's see, we talked about prayer, we talked about scripture, right? So those are two ideas of time, planting time. Depending on your posture in those, those might be head-down experiences. If you're reading your Bible, that might be a head-down thing. If you're praying, that might be a head-down thing. If you have uh, crossed over into, with the help of the youth, I've crossed over into uh, the app on my phone for the Bible. So now I can have it. That's not necessarily a head-down thing unless I put my phone there. The reason I'm mentioning is this, is that there are also, there's another um, opportunity. There's a head-up kind of soil that's worth planting your time in. I'm going to give you an example. Think about the last great sunset you saw. And I bet you can see in your mind how it looked. There was a combination of blues and pinks and yellows and maybe blue-green and some, maybe it was a bunch of clouds that were swirled that were highlighting it. And all of this shower of color was really a limited time offer gift to you. If you looked back in seven minutes, the color was different. And if you looked back in 27 minutes, it might have been gone. But here it was, right there, a spectacular light show, atmospheric show, for anybody who all they had to do was look up and appreciate it. Others might find it in the sound of the breeze as it moves through a tree above you. There are lots of these head-up kind of moments that you can plant your time in. And I would encourage us to, to look for those and that remind us of God's creative power and majesty. So those are three different soils to plant your time with God in. Scripture, prayer, and head-up God moments, I'll call them. Now, I think it's also important to talk about things that we're aware of, that we can watch out for, that keep us from planting time with God. Some of them, two of them, might be duties and obligations. Those can get in our way. Remember Martha? She and her brother and sister were very good friends with Jesus. Their house was a place where he could come and stay. And she showed great faith and, a, and had a really strong connection with Jesus. And you can uh, confirm that by reading in John 11, I believe, when her brother was sick and then died and then was not dead. But this story talks about the time when, um, on that one occasion, when unfortunately her housekeeping got in the way of her planting time. And really, she's not so different from us. It's um, embarrassing. I guess that's really the only way to say it. It's embarrassing to say this, but there have been times when I've been in church, maybe you're the same way, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'll confess it, that I have not always, even when it's been fulfilling a part of a worship service, where I have not always been fully, fully, where I haven't fully appreciated the presence of Emmanuel, 
God with us. Now, I want to assure you that that's not happening for me today. But it happens. So why does that happen? That's not planting. And God, I don't believe, is interested in empty offerings. Turn with me to Micah 6, 6 through 8. Might be familiar to many of you. Micah 6, verses 6 through 8. Starting with verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Here's the answer. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. With your God. One thing I want to stress this morning is that there's a big difference between doing something for God and doing something with God. I said I wanted to stress it so the communication majors will tell you if you repeat it, that's one way to emphasize the point. There's a big difference between doing something for God and doing something with God. I shouldn't be leading the hymns or telling a children's story, teaching a youth class, or even talking to you guys this morning for God. I should be doing these things with God. Apart from him, I can do nothing. But we can do all three things through him who strengthens us. I want to share a passage that's been meaningful to me. We heard part of it uh, earlier. And it's like a farmer's almanac for planting time with God. If you want to turn to Psalms 34, let's look at that together. Psalms 34. Says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Listen to these words. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you saints, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. 
He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. God doesn't spare us from troubles or trials, but he walks with us through them, and he ultimately delivers us from them all. So, I ask you, are you interested in God's taste test? Are you willing this morning to taste and see if God is good, like the scriptures have said? Are you curious to see what you'll harvest if you plant time with him? To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When God looks at us this morning, I want him to see sons and daughters and not slugs. So let's walk humbly with our God. Let's taste and see that the Lord is indeed good. After all, I know how happy it makes a dad when his kids plant a little time with him. That's our prayer this morning, Lord. Draw us nearer, nearer to you, and that we may commune as friend with friend. Be with us now and bless us in this week ahead, and help us to plant some of our time with you and stand back and watch what you're able to help us harvest. In Jesus' name, amen.